Yeah! I think my favorite part of that now is the phrase, got? hit the hay. I, I just picture you as the guy that would say, you know what, I'm going to hit the hay. I think that's kind of something that would come out of your mouth. I like that the best. Okay, what time did I go to sleep last night? Throw, throw a number out there. What, what time do you think I went to, I went to bed last night? 10.15. Probably 1 a.m. What? Yeah. <laughs> you know you do yeah. a morning show now, right? You know that this well, – Oh, you had Lakers happened. talk last night. I had night. Lakers talk, so yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't turn it off, and you know you know how that goes. Yeah. La- yeah La- Lakers well, Lakers talk, talk is – you know, that, that's going to throw a monkey. Had the second coffee in the afternoon. Oh, you that's know, a terrible had, plan. Oh, it's, let, me, let me tell you something. <laughs> I did like a 5 p.m. coffee. Not even like what? a 2 p.m. I'm talking about like a 5 p.m. Trav, I, I got two hours I'm going to hit on on Lakers basketball two weeks away from free agency. <laughs> I need a little juice. <laughs> I needed some juice. So I went out, got my coffee, and then, you know, when I got back here, by the time it was 11 p.m., I'm sitting like, I'm like what is it, noon? That's what it felt like. Who's up? Anybody want to go do something? Anybody want to go grab a beer? Anybody anybody want to go for a run or something? Just get call out of the my, house and do something? Calling all my friends. I just wanted to catch up. What do you mean you want to catch up? <laughs> so I've done that. I've done that thing where I start, you know, because we start early here. I'll start even my firing dog, out. Even, even rookies, like, go to bed, bro. Just go to bed. <laughs> Turn the TV off. I'll start firing out text messages at 4.45 in the morning to people like, hey, uh, you know, I'm going to need that thing. It's like people are like, what, what is the matter with you? I'm like, well, I'm awake. You know, let's, let's go. Let's get this thing done. All right. So, um, unfortunately, we got some yeah. bad news this morning. And Travis and Slee's brought to you by Progressive Insurance. All guests appear via the Goodyear hotline. Um, literally, as we were doing our call for this morning, we are talking about the Dodgers, talking about Otani. We are talking about all the things we're going to get into today. The NBA Finals tonight, Giannis kind of doing it differently than most of the guys have done in the NBA of late. Um, we find out that Cam Akers is done for the season, that he has a ruptured ACL, according to reports, that he's going to be done for all of 2021. And this just kind of uh, – Achilles, I'm sorry, an Achilles, thank you. Um, that This is really bad news for this team. This is really bad news for this team because he was not just a really good player last year, but you'd have to expect in his second year he was going to be even more dynamic. And now that he's done, you have a big hole in your backfield. It it, it takes out – there's so much kind of momentum coming into this Rams season. I I don't have to go into how – how good you feel about the position that they're in, how much you think Matt Stafford's going to change whatever holes that they had before Jared Goff couldn't fill. And now all of a sudden you have somebody that, and it's not like last season, you know, Cam Akers from the start was dominating the running back position. You really kind of later towards the season is where he started getting his opportunities and making the best of it was solid for the, uh, for the Rams in the playoffs as well. But it, it takes this, weapon away Trav that is a significant weapon and now all of a sudden um, you know you, you kind of say this from a from a running back in a quarterback position for quarterbacks when you have a running game how much more dangerous does that make a quarterback and vice versa so um, they're gonna have to kind of figure it out on the fly it's not like you have two months to figure it out uh, you're basically right on the edge of the season starting yeah, you know, I just want to clean that up. I said that wrong. It is an Achilles. It's not an ACL. So he has the torn Achilles. Um, ruptured his Achilles. Ruptured Achilles. Um, here, here's the thing. The Rams really leaned on him last year. The, the Rams really leaned on him last year because they had to. I mean, I don't know how many times during the Rams pre- and post-game show we would talk about, hey, look, why don't they just give the ball to Akers more? Why don't they give the ball to Henderson more? Give it to the running backs more, 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 more. Mm-hmm. And it was, it, was, it was a double-edged sword. Number one, because, A, 
Cam Akers was having a really good season. When he came back from that early season injury, he landed on the ball. I don't know if you remember that, Al. He, he got tackled and landed hard on the ball and, like, screwed up his ribs and missed some time. But when he came back from that, he was great. Um, and it, But it wasn't just that he was great, which he was. It was more out of necessity. Like, you can't let Jared Goff drop back and pass anymore. It doesn't work. He doesn't know what he's doing. Just turn around and stick it in Akers' gut, and let's see what can happen. And we saw some games where the Rams were really run-dominant, and then all of a sudden, when you'd fall behind, it's like, oh boy, here we go. And then the whole Jared Goff circus would start all over again. If there is a silver lining to this, and there certainly isn't for Acres, but if there is a silver lining to this, it's that you have a quarterback that you can put more on his plate, and you would expect him to handle it. That without a running game, we saw we saw Todd or Jared Goff without Todd Gurley. We saw him when that piece of the puzzle had been removed from him, and he really struggled. I don't know if the same would be said of Matt Stafford. You'd certainly rather have it than not have it, but I think he's able to pick up those pieces. Yeah, it's. Uh, by the way, you talk about putting more on one player's back, and that's okay. This is why you went out and you got Matthew Stafford, but you, this this wasn't the predicament anybody was hoping for, and you'd rather have. I, I see what you're saying. I, I know what you're saying is that if, this, if there's a silver lining, it means, okay, well, does that mean Stafford's just going to throw the ball more? Does that mean that you have a quarterback that you can rely on more? It does mean all that, but it's still a significant weapon that all of a sudden goes away. Yeah, it's, it's a bump. So now the question becomes, what do you do? They have Daryl Henderson. He was their second-round draft pick the year before Cam Akers, mm-hmm. and he really has not popped the way that Akers did. He's had some moments here or there. He's had a couple of plays that look pretty good, but I would not be surprised at all, Al, if the Rams go looking for somebody that's not on their roster right now and don't immediately turn to Daryl Henderson to be the answer to that problem. And the two names that pop up right out of the gate, oh, there's a list. Peterson and Todd Gurley. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, this feels like a million years ago, but those are the guys that are probably, you know, at the top of everybody's list if you're looking for a running back. And here's the craziest part of all. Yeah. Todd Gurley makes a ton of sense. You don't have to teach him the offense. He knows exactly what you need. He's a good blocker. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. And while he wasn't great in Atlanta last year, he wasn't terrible either. About 600 yards on the ground. He scored nine touchdowns. He's still a decent NFL football player. The question is, can he and McVay ever get back on the same page and play nice for a season? Well, let's just take the two names that you brought up, right? Todd Gurley and Adrian Peterson. Todd Gurley's 10 years younger than Adrian Peterson. I think he's going to be 27 by the time the season starts. Adrian Peterson just turned 36 in March. So, I mean, and this is, you know, this is the NFL. That's not, I think they they had a list here and there was, you know, you you can imagine how many sites now are just kind of trying to put, you you heard Frank Gore as part of the conversation. They're just looking at. He's 136. Right. They're looking at (laughs) running backs that could be available. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, just using these as examples. You're right that the Todd Gurley piece might make the most sense, but I I always kind of look at this. And I always find it interesting. This I don't have a good comp to this, but when somebody leaves on bad terms with an organization and you still have a lot of those same pieces that are there, obviously McVay is still there, um, your front office is still the same. Mm-hmm. Is that one of those – I mean, how, how do you just kind of turn the page like nothing ever happened? How are you okay with it? And, and by the way, maybe for both sides there's a way to do it, but I find that part more – more fascinating than what would happen on the field. Okay, I have a I have an analogy. You ready? Mm-hmm. Have you ever been at a party and you're having a really good time? Mm-hmm. And you, you're, you're thinking, okay, I, I need to get a ride home. And, uh, and you're looking around, yeah, there's still plenty of people here I can get a ride home from. This is fine. This is fine. You're having a good time. Maybe you're shooting pool. You're doing whatever it is. You're, you're chatting. You're having a couple of drinks. You're thinking, hey, look around. Yeah, there's still some people here I can get a ride home with. This is fine. 
Then all of a sudden, the party gets really late, and it starts to thin out really quickly. And you look around, and you think, hey, there's only one person here that could give me a ride home, and I hate that guy's guts. But I, I got to get home. home. I got to get home. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to call an Uber. I don't want to do these things. I don't yeah. want to have to go. I, I need a ride home. I can, I, I can go for a 20-minute car ride with this guy because I have no other choice. That's what it is. Todd Gurley needs a ride home. Sean McVay and the Rams need a ride home. They don't have a running back. Todd Gurley doesn't have a team. And that's where it is. That's where it, it is right now with these guys as trying to figure out who needs who. Get over your bad feelings and take a ride home from this guy. I read something that Gurley is also being looked at by the Lions and the Baltimore Ravens as well. You know, it's interesting too, Trav, is if Todd Gurley decides, let me put, let me put aside everything that happened in the past. I got a chance to win a Super Bowl. There's going to be so many eyes on the Los Angeles Rams. I can kind of give myself an opportunity for another contract, things along those lines. That, that I think, will, will be fascinating, too. Does Todd Gurley look at the situation like this and say, hey, I could, I could actually walk away from this looking like, um, looking like somebody that added to a Super Bowl team rather than just going to a Lions team where they got nothing to play for? And, and, and thank you. Goodness. Thank <laughs> you, goodness. Imagine Jared Goff and Todd Gurley in Detroit. took the words right out of my mouth. Thank goodness that the Rams made the move for the quarterback that they did. Because if mm-hmm. this had happened with Jared Goff still as your quarterback, your season goes from, we'll see what happens, to, mm-hmm. uh-oh. And, and, and with Matt Stafford there, there, very quickly, let me just throw this out there. The ESPN has these future rankings that are out there that's talking about the – the, the, the potential productivity over for t- each team over the next three years. And they go through and they rank by groups and they rank by positions and these things, and they isolate the quarterbacks individually. Mm-hmm. The, the Lions are 31 out of 32 collectively as a team. Okay? This and is I'm, over the, next, over the th- next three years? Correct. Mm-hmm. The reason, or one of the reasons is, is that their quarterback is ranked 29th out of 32. Mm-hmm. The Rams are ranked 8th out of 32. Because their quarterback is ranked eighth out of thirty-two, this is not. A, this is why I think everybody's so high on the Rams, and this is why I never understood why everybody was coming at the like, Oh, you know, Matt Stafford, you got to show me. This is why when the safety from uh, the 49ers yesterday, yep. after, Jimmy Ward, maybe the name escapes me a same, little bit. Um, same quarterback, right? Right. It's, mm-hmm. it's they they upgraded the most important position. Never mind in in football, in sports, from number twenty-nine to number eight. And this is not fans. These are people that cover the league on a daily basis that understand these things and if this had happened with Jared Goff in the spot the Rams are in the deep end of the pool before it even starts and right now they're still okay it's bad news but they're still okay but I I I still think it's okay for people to say hey Stafford here's the best opportunity you've ever been in okay whatever happened in Detroit yes it's a poorly run organization yes you didn't go make some type of uh you know a Super Bowl run or whatever the case is your your statistically your numbers are amazing I still think it's okay for people to say well Stafford come out here and this is a perfect position for you go shine that's okay to say that I mean that that is that is going to be the pressure that's on his back I think you said it yesterday if it doesn't work out with Stafford you're kind of looking at an organization. You're looking at Sean McVay. You're looking at the front office, and you're saying, uh, yeah, we screwed up on this one. I don't think that's going to happen, but I think that's going to be some of the pressure this year. And, and, and it's funny you say that because here's something that will not be said. Let's say mm-hmm. the Rams, uh, they're 17 games, so let's say they go 9 and, and, and 8, okay? Mm-hmm. They're 9 and 8 or, or 10, 10 and 7 or whatever. They miss the playoffs. Here's what will not be said at the end of the season. Uh, that Cam Akers injury just killed him. 
<laughs> Nobody's going to say anything yep. like that. It's going to be one of those, told you Matt Stafford was a You're loser. Right about that. I told you it didn't work in mm-hmm. Detroit. Jared Goff wasn't the problem. What's up with you, McVay? What's up with you, Leslie? Nobody's going to talk about this Cam Akers thing, despite the fact that it is. It, it, it's a thing. They got This is life in the NFL. This is what mm-hmm. makes the NFL both great and brutal, is that something like this is a minute away for all 32 teams in this league every single day. You just Man. never know, and the Rams got hit early. We cannot stop talking about injuries in sports, can we? I feel like yeah. the last year, that's all we've talked about. And I, and, and it, probably, it probably is happening year to year. This is not all that uncommon. But doesn't it feel more than usual? Maybe that's just because we walked through an NBA season where we saw everything. Dodgers, I mean, how many times are they coming into you know specific games and we're sitting back? And I know we're going to get the Dodgers in a second. And we're like, well, Mookie's out. Seager's still out. Uh, obviously, Bellinger was out for a long time. Now, Clay and Kershaw. I, I feel like the, 25% of our conversations about sports are guys that are out. In football in particular, too. Let me ask you real, real quick, off the top of your head, don't get just mm-hmm. – are the Rams – do you still feel the way about the Rams right now that you did prior to two hours ago? I feel a little less. I feel a little less. And, and I, I think that also has to do with the division that they're sitting in, the competition that they're going to have. So I, I think it's – I think it's okay to say when you miss a piece like Cam Akers, and I know the NFL, it's so different. It's not like you're missing an AD in the NBA or something along those lines, but I I would feel a little bit less. There was CBS actually put this out. CBS Sports had this winning the NFC West. They did whatever statistical thing that they did. Yeah, It goes from 30% with Cam Akers down to 23%. That's what happened in the NFC West just based on that injury. That's a, that feels about right. I was going to put it a little – I was going to say it takes them from me feeling like they, they're an A to them feeling like a B plus. They're still good. They're still in a really good spot, but it feels like they are something just a little bit less than as dangerous as they were. But who knows? We'll see. Maybe Todd Gurley comes back. Adrian Peterson has a time machine, something like that. We'll uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. All right, coming up next, Dave Roberts thinks that the Dodgers are in a, quote, good spot. Eh, I don't think so, Dave. We'll get into that next. It's Travis and Slee at 710 ESPN. So if you had to pick a favorite, Slee, would it yeah. be Chris saying summer or Chris saying yo? Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Oh, Summer. <laughs> Yo, Summer Station. That's by far my favorite. Not even close. You don't want to play Bash for Cash? Yo? <laughs> That's pretty good. When I saw him on Saturday, every time he talked to me normal, I was like, what are you doing? No, no, no. Summer <laughs> State. Like, I wanted everything to be, what are you doing tomorrow? That's not even, your- I don't even Night at LAFC, Slee. <laughs> I don't know how to do it. I don't only tried, know how to say summer. I'm going to know how to say summer, too. Have you tried the sliders? That's completely different. <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't no, work. not at all. <laughs> all right, it's time for some Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Before we get into the Dodgers, and there's a whole bunch to discuss with them, yep. um, Emily is making her maiden voyage into Dodger Stadium tonight, Slee. That, uh, she's already clicked off Bank of California. She's yep. going to get uh, Dodger Stadium the tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's still got to get to the Rose Bowl and the Coliseum and SoFi and, uh, you know, the Big A. Some of the, uh, some of the music venues. Hollywood Bowl, for sure, the Greek, you know, some of the iconic uh, L.A. venues. But 
Emily, here's where I, here's I'm going to give you just one little tip. It's it's pretty obvious, but it's 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 very it's also very important. You either need to just kind of come to the understanding that you're going to miss the beginning of the game, or you need to get there very very early. Those are your two options. You need to walk through there. With, I'm assuming it's a 7:05 first pitch, 7:10, something like that. Yep, correct. That's it. That's right. Okay. Okay, so you want to be inside the ballpark by 6.30 or so because it's almost like trying to arrive somewhere on the west side of town at 4 o'clock. You can't. You either need to get there at 2 or you're getting there at 5.30. Mm-hmm. Those are your only two options. So that would be my advice to her, Al. What do you have for it? Okay, what I got is, Emily, I want you to pick an inning at some point where you just walk Dodger Stadium. Start from one side and you know be kind of on that main level and go all the way around just kind of soak it in and don't do it when you know everybody else do it during the game there's plenty of places that you can watch the game while you're walking around but don't you think Trav like there's something about the environment and kind of getting a just getting a good feel and a look for Dodger Stadium yeah I I think that's great advice and if anybody has any other advice for 877-710-ESPN you can send them to us on Twitter at Travis Rogers at Alan Sliwa and I like what you said Al because look up until this season you couldn't do that, mm-hmm. right? You couldn't go, you know, all the new ballparks that have been built are, are built to do exactly what you just said, where you can kind of walk around and see the whole thing from every different level, and the concourses right. are nice and wide, and you have views of the field. And Dodger Stadium's not a new ballpark, built in the early 60s, right? But they finally got that outfield situation squared away where you can go all the way around, and it's fantastic. they got statues, they've got place cool pictures to take pictures, Um it's just it, it's it that that's great advice. That's that's the, better than mine. The, I don't like that. The only, the only problem Emily has is she didn't pick a game against the Rockies or the D-backs. She picked a really good matchup. So like there's going to be there's going to be intensity to the game. Obviously Dodger fans and we'll, we'll get into the actual part of, you know, how key it is, how important this game is going to be. But there's the other side of it, Trav, where you got to kind of take it all in. So just pick an inning, do it in an inning and uh, and take from that. How about how about food? What does she got to have, Trav? Well, this would have been the easiest question in the world to answer a season or two ago. She should still have it. She should still have it. It's bad, Al. It's bad. I, I would. Bad. I would love to. I would love to tell her. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you should have a Dodger dog, Emily. But just understand, this is not what people have been talking about for sixty years. It's not. Well, she has thing. nothing to compare for. What, what? What if she says, "Hey, I thought the dog was delicious." She has nothing to compare it to. Then I guess you're in a pretty good spot. It's not. No, no one has ever said that. Then no one has ever eaten that hot dog. And go, wow, that's really good. The best review I've heard is. Yeah, it's not that bad. That that's high praise. Hey, what do you think of that? Yeah, it's not that bad. It's like fine. When somebody says, "How is it?" Oh, it's fine. It means but it now, sucks. Look, this is what's happened, and I don't disagree that the the dog is is worse than it was, and I haven't had it, but I'm just assuming this. But this is what we do. You put in her head already how bad it is, and so she, she can can't even it. go in. She can't even go in with like this just fair judgment of let, critiquing let it this. on her own. Let me, Emily, it's like it's like saying it's it's you know good example. I probably won't visit a restaurant based on what Yelp tells me rather than just going in and giving trying the restaurant and giving it. But I'm like, what, three nights? Yeah, but wouldn't you feel I'm like not, a I'm sucker not walking if, in there. If the Yelp reviews are 80% negative and you go in there and it sucks, you're like, you feel like you, I mean, somebody tried to help you. <laughs> they, they tried to give you some good advice and you weren't uh, listening to it. Emily, are you a, are you a hot dog person? Do you, when you go to a ball game, do you get a hot dog? Is that kind of your go-to? It sometimes is if I'm in the mood. I'm usually a chicken finger person, honestly. I'm sorry, but I I do hot dog or chicken fingers. All right, okay. well, do the chicken fingers in this case then. Just go to go to Plan B or Plan A or whatever that is in your your flow chart because I think you'll be more pleased with that. And don't 
Don't be shy of those helmet nachos. Go, you can go and get into that. We've we've covered that, but that's a good play as well. Um, all right. So last night, Al Dodgers lose seven to two, and mm-hmm. it was exactly the thing that I was most afraid yeah. of. Mm-hmm. Go back to Sunday. David Price only goes four innings, and the Dodgers have to go to the bullpen six times. They brought six relievers into that game. Fast forward to last night, Tony Gonsolin only goes three and a third innings, and they have to go to the bullpen five more times. They've gone to the bullpen 11 times in two days. Tonight, they've got a bullpen game. They haven't named a starter officially. The rumors on Twitter are there. They're going to start a left-hander, kind of an opener situation, and then go to Josiah Gray after yep. that. But, you know, you would imagine Josiah Gray isn't going to eat up six or seven innings. He's If he gives you two or three or four, that's in a pretty good spot. But we're talking about three days in a row where you're going to see five, six-plus pitchers. Unsustainable. You cannot do this for any extended period of time. So you and I can sit here and we could talk about this matchup. We could talk about how key these games are and the just kind of the scope of the NL West. Yesterday you and I chatted about how um, – do you really want to see the Dodgers and the Padres in a one-game playoff? We, we kind of get into all that. I think the only thing that I walk away with, these games against the Giants, Trav, the, the Dodgers are so depleted right now, I'm not really expecting, unless Walker Bueller's on the mound, unless Julio Reyes is on the mound, Are what are you expecting in some of these games? So I, I don't think it's a shock that they lost yesterday. I don't think it would be a shock that they that they lose today. And then I also don't think it's a shock they come back in these last two games. Walker Bueller does work. Reyes does work. This, I think, becomes a bigger question for the front office. you got to get to work here. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know what the solution is. I don't think anything is going to change tomorrow. And they are in a position where, you know, we did this so much in, during the Lakers season. Well, they're going to get healthy. They're going to get healthy. They'll be fine. That never happened. And this is almost kind of looking, unfortunately, it's looking very similar to that. The 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 setup certainly is. I want, I want to go back to something you said. This idea that, okay, you wouldn't be surprised if they, if they dropped another one tonight, and you wouldn't be surprised if Bueller and Urias win their games on Wednesday and Thursday. Yeah, I, I generally agree with that. But here, here's the rub. Six bullpen pitchers on Sunday, five more last night. We're probably going to see something very similar tonight unless the Dodgers really get a little bit lucky. So now all of a sudden when Walker Bueller goes out there on Wednesday, you're you going to have zero hit, margin got, for you got, error. You got nothing left. Yep. And so whether it's Kenley Jansen or Blake Trinan or any of these guys that you're really counting on to get these big moments, mm-hmm. these guys are going to have been taxed pretty significantly in this situation. And then the same thing for Urias the day before. Your mar- you said it. Your margins have gotten so small that you're going to need Tony Gonsolin to pitch past the fourth inning. You're going to need mm-hmm. David Price to pitch past the fourth inning. Josiah Gray, a very highly regarded guy who got called up, you're going to need him to eat some innings or you have have to go into the market and make a trade because this this just we've, we've seen it in the last couple of days it doesn't work yeah I, I think that's what it comes down to um I don't know what's going to change um obviously health is going to be a big part of it you need to get Kershaw back um what did uh what did Mookie play Mookie I think only played in the night they came in for yeah. scratch from the lineup but then ended up um pinch hitting in the night so you, you have a number of different players that obviously are not there for the Dodgers that that you're depending on what do you I, got there? I, I knew it was just a matter of time. And I knew that when I said, hey, make a phone call, send a tweet, and tell Emily what she should do at Dodgers team, I knew this was going to come, and Dean is the one that sent it. 
considering it's a giant Dodger game, she should take in a fight in the parking lot. I, I knew I knew that that was going to come at some point. Sure. And, and let's just say, just get into the stadium as quickly as you can. Just just get in there and make sure that you uh, straight line it in, straight line it out. That's probably some pretty good advice. Look, Giant fans and Dodger fans don't get along. We know this. Yeah, I'm trying to think here. If there's a – I remember back in the day going to Charger games and it would be Chargers Raiders. Oh, the same deal, right? <laughs> okay, and, and this was at Qualcomm. And I'm not – listen, I, I grew up in San Diego, so I'm you know, obviously a Charger fan. Chav, I remember pulling into Qualcomm Stadium with a buddy of mine for a Charger Raider game, and there were Raider fans saying, nah, you can't park here. I had a, I had a, I had a Charger jersey on at Qualcomm in San Diego, and they were like, no, nope. It doesn't matter at all. Not happening here. I'm like, um, are you the usher? Like, what do you mean I can't? I no. can't park here. And, and you know what my response was? A- absolutely. I'm going to go You're to right. – I'm going to J4. I'm going to go over on the other side over there. Um, You're right, You're right sir. I'm going to go un- over there and – Unfortunately, there's that too that kind of comes with this Dodgers Giants, and yeah, let's hope that doesn't happen. You knew that was coming in along the way. I wanted you to listen to this very quickly, Taylor. Get my uh, Dave uh, Roberts sound because I don't know if I agree with any of this. I get that Dave's being positive, and Dave is an optimist, and Dave's done a good job with this team, but I don't know if I can get with this. There's some good things going, but uh, certainly doesn't feel good to lose a game. No, there's some good things going, and you were making the case, Al, that there are. A couple of different ways to look at this. This could be, look, the Dodgers are playing with one hand tied behind their back and that they're only two games back means that they're in a pretty good spot and that the Giants are supposed to win these games. I think that's probably how Dave is looking at this, but I'm looking at, like, the second half he said that, look, it doesn't feel good to win these games. You only play the Giants three more times after these next six. You don't have a lot of head-to-head matchups with these guys. If they continue to play well, these games are incredibly meaningful, and even if you are shorthanded, you have to win these games. So I get the, you know... Everything you just said is spot on. The meaningful part, the you got to win these games, but they don't have their guns. You know, and th- that's the only thing I'm saying, Trav. Like, I, I get what you're saying. I understand what you're saying, but I don't – maybe maybe no Dodger fan wants to hear this, but I don't fault the Dodgers at the moment. Like, I don't. I, I if, if the Dodgers were healthy, everybody was there, and they were still getting beat up by the Giants, I think it would be a different story. That's that's obviously how I'm, I'm – I guess assessing the Dodgers at this point. If AD's healthy, if LeBron is healthy, if they make some shots, I know. I know. Doesn't this feel I know. familiar all over again? All right. Damian Lillard has set the perfect example for Shohei Otani. Yes, I said that right. We'll tell you what that means exactly. That's coming up next. It's Travis and Slee, 710 ESPN. All right, Al, I want to start with a tweet right here. This is from Francis, who says, What was Slee's Charger jersey? I'm guessing Natron Means or Philip Rivers. Those are two pretty good guesses. I'm going to guess that you were a mainstream guy and you were LT. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. LT. It yeah. was Ladanian Thompson. I, I have yeah. a old school Drew Brees. I don't have it oh, anymore, wow. I think, but I had a Drew Brees 
uh, Charger jersey back in the day, which is kind of crazy to think. You know, you forget that Drew Brees was was rocking the uh, rocking for the Chargers for a while back. But LT was LT was the man. LT was the guy. I mean, it, going back to you know the Qualcomm, and actually, I was driving by Qualcomm a couple days ago. I was down in San Diego over the weekend. Traffic completely gone. Right, like yeah. now they're building Hold this the stadium for San Diego State or whatever the right. case is. But definitely got some memories down there in Mission Valley. Yeah, no, that's it. I, I, I knew you. The only other one that I thought you might go with was maybe a junior sale, like maybe throw it back even a little bit further. But sure. you, you seem to me like the, the mainstream guy. And, and I, I'd go there, too. I'm not going that off the board with a Natron means. We're not we're not going there. He was only there for a minute anyway. Well, the the LT part, aside from mainstream, the dude was the man. I mean, he had San oh, Diego by the by the palm of his hands in that time. So All right. So you said something I thought that was fascinating. We were talking about Otani. Mm-hmm. And I, I just – look, we'll get into Otani the slugger and Otani the pitcher here in a second. But Otani pitched beautifully last night. Six innings pitched, struck out eight guys, gave up only three hits, didn't give up a run. And then he goes to the outfield, and the first guy to come out of the bullpen comes in and burns the stadium to the ground. Just three runs, doesn't get an out, just just dreadful. The Angels are under five hundred again, and barring get them getting very hot – they're not going to the playoffs again. It's just and, – and one of the all-time great seasons is going to be for not. And I can't help but think about Mike Trout and that he's been there 10 years and only played in a very small handful of playoff games, which they lost all three of them. Um, and I'm thinking, dude, you got you got to find a way out of here. And you said it reminded you of Lillard. I, I, think, that's, I think that's spot on. Well, I, it's not – you know, unfortunately for Damian Lillard, and it, it comes down a lot of these – I love when players put pressure on the organization. I love that. Because so much of the time the conversation is, well, you're not playing good enough. Are we going to keep this guy? Are we going to trade this guy? I like when the tables get churned. And all of a sudden, a player like Anthony Davis says, I've been here. I mean, I, I, I don't know what else you guys want me to do, but um, I, I'm when I become a free agent, I'm out of here. So either you're going to trade me somewhere and you're going to get some value back or you're not. Damian Lillard, and this is kind of the, the connection I'm trying to make between Dame and Shohei Otani. Damian Lillard has a four-year, 170-something million dollar contract that, that's going to kick in this upcoming season. He did it backwards. Yeah. Dame, Dame wanted to put pressure on the Portland Trailblazers after he already signed his long-term deal. So if I'm Neil O'Shea, if I'm the Portland Trailblazers, I get that the pressure is on us and the pressure should be on the Portland Trailblazers, but they don't have to do something tomorrow. Shohei Otani, Trav, every time you talk about Otani, Otani's in Southern California. He's right here. You live how, – how far do you live from Angel Stadium? About 20 miles. You get the opportunity to watch one of the most interesting, unique athletes in the world who's 20 minutes from your house. Mm-hmm. And you know what you said about the Angels and Shohei Otani? You hope he ends up somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Just think about that for a second. You have that opportunity to go see him, and the only reason why you say that is because what you don't want is Otani's years wasted with a franchise that is not doing anything in baseball. Right. So to kind of go back to this, and this to give the example of the Dame Lillard, uh, Dame Lillard piece, you got leverage. You can pretty much do whatever you want and say whatever you want. If you're Shohei Otani, and it's kind of shocking and surprising that Maybe Mike Trout hasn't put the Angels organization in a similar position. At least not publicly. Uh, at least not publicly, right? What you could tell Shohei Otani is, or what Shohei Otani can tell the Angels is very simple. Either we're going to be competitive next year, or I'm going to seriously consider spending the rest of my career somewhere else. Now, I know he's got 
arbitration the following year. So yeah. there's a little bit of time that he has there. But Otani has let, – let's put it this way. He's not under a six-year, seven-year, eight-year eight contract or something along those lines where he doesn't have leverage. He's got leverage. No, he's got a ton. And to your point, so he's under contract this year, and he's cheap. He only makes $3 bucks a year. He's under contract next year. He's cheap. He only makes $5.5 Then he's got an arbitration year and then free agency in 2024. But you're right, Al, that the opportunity to really lean on the Angels is now, right? Because what he's doing is unprecedented. It's extraordinary. And he can start the the whole process of, look, I don't want Mike. Mike Trout is the best player of his generation, full stop, period. Mike Trout's on the short list of best player ever, ever. And we're talking about him playing three playoff games against the Kansas City Royals. This is not – he's 10 years in. This is – he is, at best, halfway done with his career, right? I mean, if he plays 20 years, that's remarkable. So he's already played half and played in three playoff games that lost them all. I don't want that to happen to Otani. Mm-hmm. I don't want that to happen to another Any great players. Any of them. Right. Any of them. I want to see them play in the most important games and the games that matter. And if he's looking he, – all he has to do is look down the dugout and see that guy and say, okay, that hasn't happened for him. I'm sure that the Angels are trying. I'm sure that they're looking, but it just isn't happening. And at some point, you got to say, do I want to just – because the Angels did right by Otani. They were the team that said, let's let him hit, let's let him pitch, and let's see yep. what it – well, what it turned into was Babe Ruth plus. It's, it's been an extraordinary success. Well, thank you, but now it's time for me to do a little winning. Now it's time for me to become a guy that wants to play in the World Series. Let's push on this a little bit. Squeeze them a little bit. Make them uncomfortable that you may go somewhere else and get what you want because you have all the cards. Not only – we'll get into this a little bit later on too. Mm-hmm. When the hell do you pay that guy? Because basically you have to pay him like a combination of Fernando Tatis and Walker Bueller. I just – I mean, what do you, does he make $80 million a year? Because the going rate for an ace starting pitcher is $40 million a year. Well, guess what? He's an ace starting pitcher. The going rate for a dynamic offensive player like Tatis or Betts is about $35, $40 million a year. He's both. $80 million a year? What do I mean, what are we talking about here? I mean, just use yesterday as an example. You just mentioned it, right? He's on the mound, pitches six scoreless innings. Um, and then he ends up playing in the outfield, watching huh? another pitcher give up a, a three-run blast or whatever it was. Without you know, getting it, out. With, without getting out. So it's like <laughs> this guy is playing all these different positions on the field, and uh, and he's watching just his team. I, I don't know what his value is. Like I genuinely don't. I don't know what his contract's going to look like. But I just find it it's – I find it so interesting that someone like you that loves baseball do. that has an opportunity to see Otani anytime 20 minutes away from your house and you for the um for the I guess you could say for the love of the game for the love of the competition would for rather just see Otani. him for the love of Otani yeah. see him somewhere else where he's uh he's got a chance to win and and play meaningful games I think I've solved the problem as, as what you got? were talking about what he should do is he uh-huh. should have pitched his 6 innings last night gone to the outfield for an inning, and then come in in relief of himself for the eighth and the ninth. <laughs> Just go out there and warm up again in between innings and go out there and close your own games. Just take an inning off, but, you know, they just got to find somebody that can get them through that seventh uh, inning, and then he can set himself up in the eighth and then close it in the ninth. That sounds what, like what, what impresses you more, by the way, his hitting or his pitching? Impossible to answer, but we're going to try it? to figure it out. Yeah, it, it, impossible to answer because they're both just so extraordinary. 
Absolutely, it is Bunch of Funch. Only Funch is um, in Hawaii. He's in Hawaii. He's scuba diving. Didn't come with us to LAFC. He's been pretty selfish is what he's being. Going on vacation. Who goes on vacation Snorkeling. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/network. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com/network. <laughs> the guy talks about snorkeling at night or something along those lines. Hopefully, he makes it back. Hopefully that does, doesn't does go awry, as it sometimes can. But Taylor is here. He's going to take over. What's our first one, Taylor? Okay, here we go, guys. McCormick Foods are looking to hire a director of taco relations. Now, this gig is part-time and temporary, but you'll be paid $25,000 per month for your trouble. The job description states, a previous taco job is not a prerequisite to submit, just a deep love of tacos. So, Travis Lee, I got to ask, what's your dream gig, and why is it director of taco relations? Well, well you- we just lost Trav. Um, <laughs> that resume is going out on Indeed or whatever other uh, whatever other hiring service. <laughs> so that's over. Um, Trav, why don't you go first on this one? Well, Taylor just described my dream job. It, yeah. it, it is it is a taco oh, I, eater, I got and yeah, it I pays got really job. well twenty five thousand a month. Yeah. I'll, yep. I, I'll I'll take that job, and I don't really have a resume for that, Al. Mm-hmm. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to take a picture with my shirt off yeah. and send it in and say, look, does this not look like I'm doing work at the taco bar? Does this not look like I know my way around? The, my, the greatest tragedy in my life is when the taco guy lied to me and left early. This I, I've been preparing for this my whole life. Yeah. Let's go. You can actually tell that story, and you know I, I think maybe – Maybe add a little context when you don't have your shirt on, you take that picture, just say, you know, shirts or skins, I always go skins, you know, something along those lines just to give it something. Um, Dream job. All right, so first of all, I mean, we both have pretty damn good jobs. Like we're sitting here talking sports, we get paid for it. Uh, Lakers broadcast, you're doing a lot of Dodgers, right? All that, okay. But you know which I, I always get jealous of? I watch a lot of YouTube. And on YouTube, you got these freaking guys. I'll give one example. Mark Weens. Do you know who Mark Weens is? No. Okay. Mark Weens is some guy that literally goes around the world to some of the best cities, some of the most cities that you don't even – maybe you're not even all that familiar with, and all he does is eat their authentic food and talks about the food. The videos are awesome. He's interacting with people. So he's traveling, he's eating, he's getting a chance to see the world, interacting with different people's uh, different people around the world. That's kind of a freaking dream job. It's not bad. <laughs> That's not bad. It sounds pretty good. Maybe you could combine that job with like play-by-play of the local team when you go in there. You'd be covered. You could eat the eat the local cuisine and then talk about the local sport. No, Perfect. Even even better. I'll just do Lakers talk from wherever I am. <laughs> Lakers talk live from Turkmenistan. Here we go. <laughs> All right. What's the next one? Okay. Uh, next up, Taylor? race walking has been an Olympic event since 1904. And it had me thinking that I, I may have what it takes to be an Olympian until I found out that the event's going to be discontinued in the 2024 games. Participants are required to keep one foot on the ground at all times, and judges are very strict. So, mm-hmm. Travis Slee, what event would you have the best chance in at the games? Or is there an event that you wish you might medal in? 
I kind of see Trav as a javelin thrower. <laughs> yeah, no, that's – by the way, that's a great one, the javelin throw. Um, first of all, let me just go into this race walking thing. There aren't too many things that piss me off, but the fact that they're not in the 2024 games, that race walking will be discontinued, is complete BS, Trav. And you and I talk about this a lot off air, yeah. about how we are basically – uh, I've been mean, in training for years. I mean, the only thing – you guys know my route. I, I get out there. <laughs> I'm slower than most of um, baby most of the pushers. individuals. Yeah, with the baby <laughs> strollers and three dogs. Okay, so I've lost a step. And, yes, I have a Starbucks cup of coffee while I'm on, uh, I'm on the go. We kind of did something similar to this. I don't know if we did this last week or not, but I want to do – if I got to get into a competition here, give me the mini hoop. Give me ski ball. Like Nerf, like Nerf football? No, no, no. The mini hoop, uh, the basketball, just kind of, oh, you know, shot. Papa shots. Yeah. Give me the ski ball. <laughs> Give me those games. <laughs> Give me those games that we mastered as a kid and we wanted to do them more as an adult and just haven't got to doing them. Well, I don't. Th- th- that, that's a good answer. I don't know if the sport that I'm best at is ever going to be an Olympic event, but you saw me participate on Saturday night. If, if there was some sort of beer chugging competition at the Olympics, I feel like I'd have a shot at meddling. I feel like I could do that. If we could combine it with wiffle ball or, or something like that, I'm pretty good at those couple of things. I, uh, I'd have a shot. If I'm being 100% serious, the one thing that I think I could maybe get, not Olympic level good, but get good at having never yeah. done it before, I'm good at throwing things and, and, and hitting things accurately. I think if you gave me one of those really fancy bow and arrow things, I could become a decent archer. And a de- if Gina Davis can do it, I feel like I could do it. Gina Davis became a near Olympic level archer. I think I could do that. Yeah, I don't have faith in you in that one, but I have faith <laughs> in you and all the other stuff that you mentioned and the the beer chugging that you did on Saturday. That was next level. I I didn't even want to be in the same room with you. I'm like, what am I? Why am I on the same playing field with this guy? <laughs> yeah, well, I just like to show off every once in a while. What's the next one, uh, Taylor? Okay, one more for us. Yesterday, we discussed it being 25 years since Muhammad Ali made a surprise appearance to light the Olympic cauldron and kick off the 96 Summer Games in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. This iconic moment is set to be featured in an upcoming Ken Burns documentary, and it made me wonder, what is the most iconic sports moment you've witnessed in your lifetime? Maybe one that surpasses athletics and kind of bleeds into our culture? So for me, and I've, I told this story not that long ago, um, I was at the Mike Tyson fight where all hell broke loose, and not only did that become a cultural touchstone, but yeah. the subsequent shooting of Tupac Shakur after mm. the fight, um, I was on the strip when that happened. I remember seeing all the police cars go by and thinking, oh my gosh, what, what's going on? Something, something happened. You don't send you know 20 police cars after somebody because they're you know, speeding or something like that. You knew something crazy had happened. And just the the vibe inside the arena, the chaos in the arena, um, everything that happened outside the arena, that for, for me, as far as just sporting events that had significance, that combined cultural events that, that go together, for me, that, that's a runaway winner. So I, I don't know if I don't know if anything will top Kobe's last game for me and being there. His final game. Was this guy gonna have twenty five points? He's gonna have thirty. The guy dropped sixty in his final game. And Trav, were you at that game or no? I was. Okay. Just the like you know when you're looking around at everybody else and everybody doesn't really know what to do. Nobody really knows how to act. I felt like that final game, 
everyone was in such shock and awe for the final 15 minutes or so. And this was an icon that was representing the purple and gold for 20 years. I don't know if that moment, like I was there too for game seven of the Celtics and the, and the Lakers, but it was a different vibe, right? Like I, I, that was so tense, and so this was a combination of celebration, and you were in awe. I, I don't know if I, I have something that will top that. Yeah, th- that was one of those. You're looking around like, is this really happening? This because can't be it, happening. It, it wasn't like a game that was really close, like you're talking about with the Celtics and the Lakers, or where you don't know who's going to win. That's a different type of tension. This was. You're looking at the people in the suite. I think we were in the same suite, Al. We were watching the game from the same and thinking, is is this real? Like, is this really happening? Is this guy at this age, at this stage in his career, at this level? Because, you know, remember, physically, he was completely busted up. Is he really going to get 40? Yep. 50? Yep. Is he going to get this? Yep. It was It was like, I mean, that's on the short list of most amazing things that I've seen. It was It was something else. By the way, I love your, uh, you've been throwing this out, the Tyson, the Holyfield. Yeah. I love that you went to some of these boxing, boxing matches. When we had De La Hoya on a couple weeks ago, you talked about how, you know, you used to cover some of his fights. I, that, that's one era. If like, if I could go back to an era and be at some of these events, something about these boxing matches, especially back then where it was everything, I, I never got a chance to experience that. A, a fight, any fight, is yep. a different animal because it, it's not just a sporting event. Their violence is going to take place, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's different. It's not just two people are going to try to win a game. Somebody's going to get hurt. That's different. And then you take it a whole nother level to a Tyson fight where God only knows what was going to happen at a Mike Tyson fight. It was, there it was, was Mike nothing. Tyson. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, Mike it's, Tyson. I don't know what's going to happen. It may just be a fight, but it may be something a lot more than that. And about half the time, it was something a lot more than that. All right. Giannis may win his first NBA championship tonight, but we are not giving him nearly enough credit for what he's actually doing and the way that he's going about it. Alan, I split on that one a touch. We'll come on next. It's Travis and Slee at 710 ESPN.